Welcome to another edition of Move Through Motivation. I am proudly sitting next to the man who created me uh, with my mother, Mr. Michael <laughs> Rex Olson. I call him Pop, so that's what we're referring to you as, is Pops on this podcast. My dad's first official podcast at age 65. Uh, no, <laughs> not 65. 65, 65 in June, dude. Okay, okay. Don't this year, this year you'll be 64. I will. You got to put your seatbelt on. We safety oh. first on this podcast. <laughs> I had, we got to have safety first. I can't have mom calling me later and, and telling me. Um, so, Pops, let's just, I, I wanted to get people on here to, we get people on the podcast to talk about struggle, to talk about compassion, to talk about positivity and resiliency and things that, that has happened in my in my 40 years of life. And you're, you're a big part of that. And today I want to talk about three things with you because I really like this part of our story and our family's lineage. And that is the compassion that somebody you've known for almost, uh, what, 23, 25 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, Raj, right. uh, as a mentor to you, as a colleague, and kind of like how our story as a family got stronger and, and why, why I think I was as resilient as I was in my fight. Um, so yeah, give me a little history. Tell me, tell me about yourself. Well, a couple things. Um, I was actually principal of a Christian school for about uh, nine years where you and your brother and sister attended. And there came a time and a place I, no one survives on making uh, $7.58 an hour. So I was actually, I mean, I, mid to late 30s, I was working many, many jobs. I would principal the school, get out, go box groceries at uh, Lucky's. And then when that was over, I'd go stuff ads for the LA Times and then deliver ads. And then I would actually end up um, uh, many, many times delivering jumpers. Uh, you, you and your brother helped me deliver jumpers as well on the weekends. So there came a time and a place where I actually decided I've got to do something different, got to do something to improve my family. And so I and ended I up- pa- I want to pause you there because I want to talk about just a little background. Dad, you you graduated cum laude from UCLA, right? Two yeah. bachelor's degrees, a bachelor's in theology, a bachelor's in economics, and you're hustling six jobs. Yep, usually about uh, an average of about three hours sleep a night, an hour and a half from the time of getting home from the grocery store to the time I I uh, had to go throw the route, then come home. And then, of course, being a pastor, the weekends are busier than the weeks. So, and, and just to, to be clear, you still coach the center baseball. We spent yes. a lot of time with you. And, right. I mean, I, I wouldn't take any of that time back. I think that's where we, we found our character. You, it, was, it was really cool for you to be part of our life. But it just came to a point where, you know, you were hustling to make a dollar. Yep. And so what I ended up doing, actually, at one of the few victories we had um, at a baseball game, all the parents said, we better go get some pizza because we may not get another victory. And it was there. I actually worked with one of the pair. I wasn't working with her at the time, but one of the parents, all the adults were together, said, hey, we got this entry level position at our company called inventory control. Um, does anybody, uh, do you know any kids or anybody else might be interested? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. How much is it to pay an hour? She goes, $10 an hour. And I said, I'm interested. <laughs> so I actually applied for the job, um, got it, um, left the Christian school, started working there, was there about six weeks and was called upstairs to, uh, to fill an order of office supplies for our COO at the time, Raj Takari, ended up being the CEO. 
And uh, he was really friendly, really nice, asked me the question, gosh, you're kind of an older guy. Um, what are you doing here in the most entry-level position? So I told him, well, listen, I got a bachelor's from UCLA and a bachelor's from a seminary, but I'm just kind of restarting my career. And he goes, okay. And the next day, um, he called me back up to the office. And actually, I thought I was in my probationary period. Did I do something wrong with the order? Did something go wrong here? This is not good. And he basically said, Mike, uh, I want to give you an opportunity. And I said, what's that? He goes, I want you uh, to be an administrative assistant to help me out here with many projects. And I said, Raj, I can barely spell the word health. I have no idea what I'm doing. He goes, that's okay. Um, I'm going to give you some projects. And uh, so he changed my position, changed my role. And I started doing a lot of things with him, going out to meetings, meeting with with all kinds of people, became an uh, IP administrator. A lot of different stuff was happening, and in the meantime, you had uh, you had uh, gotten to you and you guys had gotten to Mayfair uh, Junior High School, high school, and the second year, your sophomore year, you were going to uh, play football. So, as it turns out, trying, listen to me. I was trying to play football. You're trying to play football. I mean, yeah, 140, pa- 140 pounds. 140 pounds. Wet, wet. Yeah, with wet, all wet. the uniform. I mean, I was 120 pounds. Let's yeah. keep it real. I, I, I wish I was, you know, big boy. But. I was tiny. And so even though I was working all those jobs, um, you know, I just because I got a change in a role didn't mean I didn't have family needs, so I was still working all the jobs. And so um, the way it works at Mayfair High School is the coaches of all the various sports are always looking at those junior high school students and trying to figure out who can we grab for my sport. And so there was a meeting, uh, Coach Fitch had a meeting. I, at that point in time, got involved in the booster club and uh, so did your mom and so did a lot of other people we're still good friends with and basically um, we were going to pitch to the junior high school big kids well white parents you need to help us out in the football program and i told coach fitch the program was going to start at seven about uh, quarter to seven i told coach fitch i said listen coach I-, I hate to do this but i'm not feeling well i i feel like i threw my arm out of socket something weird's going on i don't know i don't do anything strenuous at work so I'm going to go to the doctor, and uh, he was. He said, "Okay, you do what you got to do." And so, as it turns out, uh, there was an urgent care um, in Long Beach that I went to, thinking, "Well, I don't want to go to the emergency room." This is back in the day before uh, cell phones or anything else. So I went to the uh, went to the urgent care, and they took one look at me, and I, they said, "By that time, I was sweating profusely." It was five minutes to late by the time I got there, and they said, "Well, what are your symptoms?" There was a whole bunch of people that were there in the waiting room. And they said, what are your symptoms? And I said, well, this is what it is. And now my neck is hurting. And they said, well, let's have you come on back now. And I'm thinking, well, why would you put me in front of all these other people? So they put me back in the room. Um, About five minutes later, I remember specifically some paramedics on a gurney uh, coming (laughs) down the hallway into my room. And I remember saying, are you, what are you guys doing? You're in the wrong room. Well, they thought I was having a heart attack. So they took me uh, by ambulance to uh, Long Beach Community Hospital. And while I was there, um, uh, they I finally got a hold of your mom. She came down. You guys had never seen me sick. Um, well, I, not that I didn't get colds and stuff, but I just never stopped all those crazy jobs. And so mom had never met Raj, never talked to him or anything else. She was very happy for the opportunity I was given, but I was really giving your mom a hard time uh, in the room. I said, listen, they're going to hold me here 24 hours of observation in the cardiac unit. Here's Raj's number. Call him. Tell him this is ridiculous. I will be in. 
the next day, as soon as I'm out of here. This is stupid. So she called. 1994, by the way. Yeah, 94. So she called Raj, had to talk to him. I never visited with him and began to talk to him about what's going on. And uh, so Raj said, what do you mean he's in the emergency room? She goes, well, he's, they, they, they're not sure. And he said, well, first of all, he's not going to do anything until he gets cleared by a cardiologist. So don't he, just tell him, he, we'll, we'll lock the doors. We won't let him come in here. And so ended up getting a week off, basically. He went to the cardiologist. The cardiologist did me treadmill tests and all the rest of these things and uh, basically said, so, you know what, we think what it was was angina, probably related to stress, but talk to me about your life. Uh, what kind of things do you do? And I said, well, you know, actually, I'm a Baptist pastor. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't do any of those things. I went through a whole bunch of different things. She goes, well, talk to me about sleep. And I said, well, there is a problem there. I probably for a decade now just not got much sleep because I'm doing all these different things. And she specifically said, well, you passed your treadmill. Everything's fine. But I'm going to tell you, Mr. Olson, if you don't do something different, uh, you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have a stroke. You'll be of no use to your family. Uh, you may pass away. You've got to make, I'm not telling you what to do, but this cannot continue forward. So I went back to work the next day. Um, Raj was saying, hey, what's up? What's going on? Talk to me about this. And uh, so I began to speak with them and visit with them. And, and of course, distracting from all the stuff that the cardiologist said. And he goes, no, be honest with me. Tell me, Pastor, what is going on? So I told him. And he said, okay, uh, listen. Uh, I said, but I'm really behind. He goes, go to your office. We'll visit for a minute. He came in a few minutes later and he said, okay, Mike, here's what's going to happen. I want you to tell me how much money you are making stuffing ads, throwing newspapers, working at a grocery store, working working on jumpers. I, you, you tell me all that stuff and be honest and straightforward with me. And I said, but why hadn't you told me you were doing all these things? And I said, well, Raj, I put my family in this situation. I've got to work it through. He goes, tell me what you make. And I told him. And he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. We know you're going to ha want to be respectful to all those things. Give them notice. And I did. Um, but he goes, we're going to increase your wages right now, right here, so you can stop doing all that stuff because you're more valuable to us in this company and healthy than out of this company. And so, Raj, I'm going to be honest, saved my life. That's true. And I would say that's, that, and you worked with him for 20... I worked with him for 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. 10 years there. Uh, Raj saved my life yeah. because I wasn't listening to my wife. I wasn't listening to the Lord. I wouldn't listen to anybody. I wouldn't have slowed down. And so that's kind of how Raj and I began our relationship. And we worked at one company, Gateway, for 10 years, another company called Rego for 10 years. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a definite mentor, dear friend. I consider him a brother, as he does me. Yeah. And a big, big so, part of my life. So I, I, say, I say that's where Raj came into our family. And, you yep. know, this is a total stranger, uh, a CEO of a company, sees your value, your work ethic. And, I mean, I, I think that's where, you know, I get it from. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where the the hard headedness comes in that you've uh, given me, I appreciate that. Um, but I think Raj was a was a crucial point in your life at that point. And then fast forward about what twenty years later, he has an accident in Costa Rica. He right. fell, he fell down a cave or no, no, a volcano. Okay. Him and his brothers were going for his birthday. No, actually, it was he and he and some guy friends were going on a birthday party. Yeah, they birthday. would all go in out and they were hiking up a, okay. a, a trail, yeah. going up a volcano, uh, going up to the top of the volcano. It was and dormant. He, and he, and he, and he slipped off. He slipped off the side. They, they were just walking two by two. He slipped off, fell down. Fortunately, there was a ledge below. 
but all that volcanic rock mm -hmm. just tore him up. He broke his, uh, what's that called, a tibial fracture. Mm -hmm. um, he broke his knee really badly, um, and called a plateau fracture. And the next thing, his, his brother, who is a doctor, Dal, is with him. They, he, he didn't want to have any treatment in Costa Rica. He goes, we're going to stabilize you. We're going to get you back to the state. So he ends up at Anaheim Regional Medical Center. Just and you and you go and work with him and you help him and help him nurse him like you would, he kind of helped you back when you well, were Well, what happened is myself, Dr. Siegel and others, yeah. Raj yeah. needed to go to therapy and we would take him to therapy yeah. as often as he needed to and made sure and help things up. So turn around, you know, years, years later, later, I'm yeah. able to help him. Yeah, yeah, like, it's kind of like paying it for it. And, and I mean, Raj didn't want that to happen. He didn't want to have your, right. your heart issue, but you know, I just find it, what I find unique is, is the compassion that he had for you and the compassion you had for him to just, you know, you guys had a, a time where you both were in need of help and you guys both helped each other. I think that's really cool. Fast forward again, another to 2018, March, uh, I get diagnosed with cancer and Raj is now, what is he? He's at Huntington Valley well, Hospital. And so basically Raj is at Huntington Memorial. He decided to go to work um, and he always wanted to work in the hospital system. So he's there. Uh, and he, senior VP, somehow, yeah. senior VP of physician relations there. Yeah. And he actually works, and I called him, devastated, of course. Matthew's got cancer, of course, he knows you guys. Yeah, we know since a kid. And he, he said, uh, I said, he, we really like to get in the City of Hope. And quite frankly, uh, Raj said, I know all the senior leaders at the City of Hope. Let me make some phone calls. Yeah, within a day, I had an appointment oh, yeah. next Monday. It moved right along quickly. And again, that's an example how that in a relationship, just continues to play in life yeah. and how things can happen. Yeah, I, and I and I and like I said, I I, I called Raj that, that week and you know, so great he, he was so gracious and so compassionate when he called me. He's like, whatever you need, you call me. You know, you, you're like a, a nephew to me, and I just it, it meant a lot to Sherry and me, and obviously to you being your son. But I just that was one story in life where I look at over a course of my life, going from being a teenager, fourteen, your dad's having major heart issues. You see him hustling to put food on the table. And like, I go now, you know, 20, 24, 25 years later, I'm the same age, I'm 39, 38, and I'm gonna, I get diagnosed with cancer. My kids see me the same age, they're, out there younger than I was. But, you know, I, I used your, your, my life lessons to be like, okay, you can't just, you can't just sit on the sidelines, you gotta get after it. And so I'm, I'm gracious for your example of that kind of positive mentality of when when the chips are down you just don't lay down you you fight back and um, well and I gotta it, say it made you more resilient right uh, the resilience as well comes from you know when you're a working pastor you're working 50 60 hours a week and pastoring you know the the thing that makes me so resilient is your mom yeah. she is just yeah. super in being a wonderful pastor's wife helping me out I am better at, not always but I'm better at listening to her and slowing down and spending time and uh, she really sometimes, has been around. Sometimes, uh, sometimes, sometimes, not always. Uh, not always. Amazing. Me and mom have a conversation about you yeah, chilling yeah, yeah. out. You know, yeah, you know, I, you I was, in, I was in a uh, walking competition in my work. Walked yes. uh, mean and a half yes. steps. Yes, yes, um, yes. Ended yes. up tearing up my foot, crushing one of my metatarsal bones. And, and let's talk about this yeah. for a minute. So, <laughs> so we had the great compassion of Raj, and we—he's such a dear family friend to us, and we we love his family so much. And it's really cool to see our generation just kind of stay close, and even though work paths have gone different ways that we've just been able so our family's been so close now let's get to the fitness side and why i think i have some issues and this is where it comes from you okay 
at 60 years old, um, you decided that you're going to challenge the uh, healthcare industry that you work for in a step-off challenge. It's a step challenge. Mm. This is like when steps were very important. And how many people were Fitbit in the competition? competition. Probably it's about a Fitbit. 100. About 100 people. 100 people. And you're, you're at 60 years old at this uh, point? At that time, I'm 61. Yeah, so you're 60. You're like trying to figure out how do I get in the best shape of my life? And you start walking. Mm-hmm. And it was so bad that when we went to have baseball games for the boys when they were little, dad would come to the game and be like, where's dad? I thought he's here to watch the boys. And dad would be walking around the park. And so you ended up winning that challenge. I did. Yeah. Uh-uh. I did. And then now you are on a biking kick, I understand. Yep. Um, actually, uh, usually every morning, seven days a week, weather permitting, I'm going 20 miles a day up on the Long Beach Riverbed uh, bike path. Yeah. And uh, last year, I actually did 5,400 miles for the year. Um, did my second diabetes, American Diabetes Association, compi- uh, they say, well, this isn't a competition. Well, it is to me. Yeah. It's just old dudes. Did you, run over, did you run over all the old dudes in the end? I know. Just I, did, I, did okay. I, mean, I did okay. I did okay. I had a little bit of problem in Glendale with the last one because it was, it was hill. We went up to about 2,000 feet. I thought I was going to die, but I made it through. But yeah, so and, it's, and it's a good want, thing. I, am, I need you to send me a picture because I want people to see what you what, what you look like when you ride the bike. Cause you don't look, you're not in your, in your race uniform. You're in like a, a, a polo and uh, a, some funky shorts. And you look like you're going to a Woodstock festival <laughs> and you're riding the bike for like 60 or 80 or however many miles it was in that race. Well, most of the time what I meant, cause I have to get to work. I'm, I got my little headlamp <laughs> on my bike and I'm out there with the rabbits and the coyotes. And uh, nobody else is around no, that early in the no. morning in the fog on the Long Beach Riverbed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I, I find it. I find it awesome. One other thing I, I like to tell people is, you know, the reason why we started the podcast, the reason why I want to do this was, I think it's important for the, the future generations of, of what molded me and the people that I'm associated with. Like, pops, you and mom are just on the rocks, and you guys have always been there for me. And you know, um, it's we're, we're very close, and we've had. We've had tragic things happen in our family. We've done great things in our family. And we've always stayed tight. And we've never let um, circumstances bad or or good change our direction. And, you know, I, I, did you do everything perfect? No. Do I do everything perfect? No. But I think what I learned most from you is, is that, you know, um, even the CPR thing, the compassion, positivity, resilience, listen to you preach for the last 40 years you know, adding word words to letters and the meaning behind them. It kind of kind of makes things a little more clear for me when I'm trying to focus on, you know, growth and, and finding unique opportunities. And my outlook on life is you never give up, you never you never quit. And I teach the boys this and, and the wife knows and you know, just like mom's uh, your rock and she's been my rock as well same thing with sherry i mean she's she's had to put up with me and all my crazy ideas and my things and i just find it awesome that we still are able to talk and we could it could have been different like our circumstances you could have died when i was 14 and yep um, I could have died when I was 39. Well, you know, my perspective is, and actually resilience is one of my favorite words to preach about in my ministry, is just, listen, here's what's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to get worse. It's going to get better. Or maybe it'll stay about the same. And just get up every day, do the best you can, given the given circumstance you are. You know, the ministry I have that I work is at Inner City LA Church. We reach a lot of kids who are involved in gang things. 
And uh, you just got to love those kids. Just got to show them compassion and mercy and be a good example for them. Yeah, I, t I tell people all the time, like, where, where my dad preaches at, it's in it's on the, the corner of Long Beach and uh, State Street. State Street, and there's it's not a it's not sunshine and roses over there, and, but I think the resilience that you've shown in that in that community and the, the people of the church and even how I grew up in the church, it's just it's really cool to see that you haven't given up. It it had it's not easy, you know what I mean. The the situations you're put into, but I'm. I'm, I'm glad you're my dad. I'm, I'm glad you're my dad. Thank goodness nobody else was giving, you know, mom didn't marry another dude and you're my pops. Well, I, yeah, that's not something mom didn't even <laughs> contemplate. No. Those in 23 of me could come out still. And I, I hope, <laughs> I hope that, you know, you're still my dad. And hey, I've got we look like each other. Me. We like, we look like each other. So that, well, that's the one thing I got to say, this, this dude, it, listen, he's got a lot of his mom's personality in him. Uh, he's not shy, got a shy bone in his body. But one of the things he always tells me, you know, I'm half Spanish. And I said, well, how could that be? No, I'm, Your I'm mom is half Spanish. I'm half Finnish. Listen, 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 no, listen, man. listen. Let's just get this out of the thing. We're, You're a Finn. I thought I was Mexican. We did 23 and me. We, no, we, we did 23 me. Mom, 23 me. I have a lot. I, I, let me tell you something. I'm touched by every continent. I even found out that I am Portuguese. I am Southern European. Southern European. I am Spanish. Yep. I am. There's a lot of, of, of Western European in there. But also that I'm a Nigerian, so I mean, yeah, got a every, in I, I, do, I got everything. That, I am the melting pot. I think there might even be some Filipino in there with all the food I ate as a kid <laughs> uh, growing up. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm just happy that we get to do this, and that you know, one day, many years. I wish we could have did this with Grandpa, and you know, hear stories of his and how he came to wherever he was at, and you know, you were raised by a single mom, and, and your dad was around, but you know, he, he had a lot of problems with the war. And, well, one of the cool things I always remember about uh, your grandpa, my dad, is he was in the Air Force in Korean War, and he just loved to talk about how he had one grandson who was in the Navy, one grandson was in the Army, and he talked smack about you guys all the time because he was in the Air Force. <laughs> grandpa could help me out, though. I really should have listened this morning to go to the, the Air Force, but my pops, I love you, man, and uh, I look forward to doing this again when you're at your, in your 80th birthday. There you go. And what's your challenge this year? What, what are you going to do this year? What is your goal? 6,000 miles? My challenge miles? is 6,000 miles. 6,000 miles? Yep. And are we on track? Uh, pretty much on track, yeah. Pretty much. You have to average how many a day? Well, basically, I just divide that by 12. I want to get in five. Basically, I have to average 500 miles a month. Okay. Right. 500 well, miles a month. Well, we'll keep uh, the, the population up to date on if you're reaching your goal. So there you go. Don't give up, man. All right, Pops. Love you.